Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. My good friend, Carrie Oberbrunner, is an author, speaker, coach, and entrepreneur who leads a business that helps people unlock their potential. And he's a really good friend of mine. So we regularly get together near my home in Columbus. We compare notes. We encourage each other. We share ideas. We just brainstorm about things or share life. And I also speak regularly at his conference, Igniting Souls, one of the greatest conferences I've been at. It's one fired up group. This is one fired up tribe, let me tell you. And his new book is Unhackable. That's the title. And it is fantastic. Kerry, welcome to the Aim Higher podcast. Skip, it's great to be here. Well, we want to jump right into your new book, Unhackable. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the premise of the book, the idea that people are trying to grab and hold your attention elsewhere. Maybe tell us why this book is coming out now, but four years later than it should be coming out. Yes, great question. Well, my belief is that we all are born with dreams inside of us, and we are meant to do those dreams, but life happens to us. And we live in a society right now that is producing so much information. In fact, years ago, many, many years ago, human knowledge doubled at every thousand years, but today it doubles every 12 hours. And so it's really impossible for us to keep up, but we try and we have screens to help us. So most people check their phones before they get out of bed. We check them before we go to sleep. We are literally connected, and the average person touches, swipes, clicks their phone 2,600 times a day. The average person sees over 5,000 ads a day, and the stats can go on and on, but bottom line, there's a cost to all this. We live in what's called the attention economy, where marketers know that before customers pay for a product or service, they pay attention, and so literally marketers and politicians and all of us i mean we're we're guilty too all of us are trying to get people's attention and there's a price for being forever connected online there is a price and marketers are after that attention i like it and it can hack us in some way absolutely the word hack is to gain unauthorized access to a system or a computer And we've thought for years that, oh, my computer got hacked or my phone got hacked or my bank account got hacked. Very few people think my brain got hacked. But when you think about our bodies, think back to biology class, circulatory system, respiratory system, our bodies are made up of systems and our brains are supercomputers. So literally, a perfect definition, we can get hacked. Literally, metaphorically, you name it. That's what's happening today. And like a great hack where, I mean, the greatest hackers will tell you if they get into a system, the greatest hacks are never detected. They, Ooh, they do good. what they want. And here you're really turning over your life. Yes. It's been hacked. And most of the time, I think we don't even know. Absolutely. We don't realize it until, honestly, a funeral many times where I say in the book in the very beginning that 
we'll drive away from a, a, a death and we'll see, wow, I got to live my life or I got to, I got to do something different. I got to wake up. It almost takes that type of tragedy in many people's lives to get them to realize, wow, I just spent the last two weeks binging on Netflix. Didn't even realize it. Didn't even notice it. I mean, technology is literally designed to become addictive. We all know we get dopamine hits. It's changing our neurochemicals. And I guess there's a new Netflix series out. I have not yet seen it, but I, it's called The Social Dilemma. I've heard of that. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it, I guess it came out in early 2020, but you said, hey, Carrie, you started on this book in 2016. What happened? And truth be told, I got hacked. <laughs> so, <laughs> Did you know it? You know, life happens. I, I became a CEO and I justified, I'm helping people. I'm helping people. And we have these deep projects and dreams inside of us, but life just will continue clicking away. And I don't think I knew it at first, but the deadline of not making the deadline, that's what woke me up. And that's what wakes people up sometimes. They think, wow, I just had my 50th birthday or I just had my 30th birthday. A lot of times it has to be an external thing that wakes us up to the fact that we are totally being hacked. And therein lies the power in this book. And anybody who's listening right now should know that if you feel like you're drifting and you feel like something has hacked you or you have not been living your dream, this is a very powerful book because he unpacks how you can change that place where you are from being hacked and really get back your systems as if almost it is a virus checker that Ooh. cleans it up and malware detector and cleans it up and gives you back your hard drive. So I, really, I like that, Skip. No one said that yet. Well, that's, we're, we're, we're just starting on the uh, marketing for this book, but I really dig that. That's a great analogy. It's very true. Now, I want to talk about this concept of a boon. Yes. And how do you find yours? What yes. is a boon and how do you find it? Well, I'm glad you're bringing that up because, yeah, the book is just not anti-technology and, ooh, you know, big tech, they're the enemy. That would be kind of a boring book. The book's really about introducing the danger of getting hacked, but then giving people a practical solution. So there's no chapters in the book. There's literally missions, daily missions, 30 of them. And very early on, we get into the point of the boon, because here's what I say, Skip. If we don't know what our boon is, we don't care if we're getting hacked. In other words, who cares? And boon could be replaced with vision, mission, dream, why. But it actually comes from Joseph Campbell's work, The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And it's all about the hero's journey, which many people know of. Your audience is fantastic. They're intellectuals, they're readers. We know that George Lucas based his Star Wars trilogy and series on the hero's journey, The Matrix, Lord of the Rings. Every movie essentially is about this hero that receives a call to go to the special world and leave the ordinary world. They resist the call. Of course, we don't want to change in our lives. Maybe people are listen, listening today and they say, huh, this is my call to an adventure. But we usually resist it. But then we recognize that it's the only way forward. We meet a mentor 
And for some of you, Skip is your mentor, which is fantastic. And just like Gandalf, although you don't look like I'm Gandalf. Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look like Gandalf. We're hobbits in our family. But, uh, but Morpheus was a mentor. Uh, you have Yoda, these types of things. Anyway, in the book, I hope to be the mentor to the reader because I myself have been hacked. But the ultimate end of the hero's journey is that they achieve what's called their boon. The boon is the whole reason why they're going on a hero's journey. It could be the elixir. It could be the fountain of youth. It could be destroying the Death Star. But the whole point of the boon is it's why you go through the pain. And if you don't know your boon, you honestly don't care if you get hacked because it doesn't matter. So in the book, we get very early on to say, what is your boon? I tell people it's your deepest ache, your truest longing, your greatest desire. Great way to put it, and certainly the way to power through and go on that journey and overcome all of the obstacles, and we're living this life. And yes, it is something in every story that makes it so powerful. Well, there's so much to cover in your book. I want to jump around a little bit because you also talk about how we can sometimes view ourselves as victims, Mm. and we lie in a bed. Yes. Right? The blame, excuses, excuses, denial. Yes. talked about. And how do we get here? in that place yeah. and how do we get out of it? Cause so many of us will feel like we're blaming this. We have an excuse for this. We're denying and, yeah. and it, we're limiting ourselves. Absolutely. I laid in bed as a victim for years. It's easier. It's easier when your boss is the problem, when your spouse is the problem, when the economy is the problem, it's very easy to adopt that mindset because we don't have to look in the mirror. So I went through a period in my life where I was in a day job and I was not fulfilled. But rather than look in the mirror and go through the obstacle is the way, as uh, Ryan Holiday says, or Marcus Aurelius, the uh, thing that stands in the way becomes the way. Rather than do that, I just said, nope, it's not my fault. Or I made excuses or I lived in denial and said that this is just the way it is. I was a victim. B-E-D. The way that I got through it is to become a victor. A victor puts their oar in the water, metaphorically speaking, and they move forward. Ownership, accountability, and responsibility. And in the book, I talk about the hack attack. The hack attack is something, it's not the Big Mac attack back in the 90s with, with uh, McDonald's or whatever, but, but this is the hack attack where we literally see the signs of us getting hacked. And there's a part in the book where we start saying I am statements. So the hack attack, you lose certain things. And I saw this, believe it or not, with a 60 minutes special where my wife was mentioning that, um, hey, let's watch this show. And people were hacking vehicles, like literally. Yes. And Did you see that one? Yes, it happens. Okay, so they were hacking vehicles And you saw on the person's face, oh my gosh, what's going on? Even though they knew it was coming, the windshield wiper started going, the horn started blaring, and they literally went off the road. They got hacked. Well, many people are going off the road in life. And here's what the hack attack starts with. It starts with the loss of control. 
the loss of clarity, competence, confidence, insight, influence, impact, and income. So literally what happens is when we're, when we're hacked, we start saying I am statements and I have statements based upon our identity and our resources. We say things like, I'm not in charge. I'm confused. I'm not good enough. I'm an imposter. I have no vision. I don't have an effect on others. I have no credibility. I have no currency. So once we start saying those statements, that's a real good sign that we are being hacked. And it takes a deep person to admit that, to unplug from the binging on Netflix or the scrolling on Facebook and to say, you know what, I do feel like I'm getting hacked. And a lot of people don't want to change, but the victors do. So good. good. Put your oar in the water and get out of bed. That's right. I don't know if we should put oars on our beds. and <laughs> We might have vivid dreams of doing this. That would be yeah, good. It's such a great concept. And I want to move to the concept of a promise Ooh. because it's such a hopeful uh, aspect. And I want to yes. read this Go from your book. It says, you write, promises are powerful. They're the assurance a particular thing will happen. Promises aren't dependent upon circumstances, events, or outcomes. When you claim a promise, you demand something considered your due. It isn't up for a vote, negotiation, or opinion. I just love this. Mm. Claiming means you're, you realize the promise is already yours. You then go through a series of examples. I won't read all of them, but Rosa Parks claimed her seat. J.K. Rowling claimed her empire. Michael Phelps claimed his gold. The Wright brothers claimed their flight. Oprah claimed her success. You, you have a list of people who claimed it. Mm -hmm. And how do you claim a promise? And how do you know to claim the right promise? Yeah. It's interesting. Oprah didn't claim theme parks. Right? <laughs> right. The Wright brothers didn't claim animation. Yes. How do you know how to claim your boon? That's good. Wow. I think that it really comes down to knowing thyself. We start out in life and we, we honestly don't know what we're good at. We don't know our dreams many times. But the point is that we've all heard, or at least I've heard, name it and claim it, you know, as a negative. Name it and claim it. Or if I can conceive it, I can achieve it. That's not what we're talking about. That's assuming that there's no effort. There's no... There's no sweat equity. What Oprah did, what Rosa Parks did, what Henry Ford did, there was a massive cost. There was rejection. There was obstacles. And the reason why these people were able to claim it is because they did the work. I mean, Michael Phelps did not just say, oh, I get gold because I named it and claimed it. Michael Phelps had to become the person worthy of the goal. So think about that for a moment. Lots of times we think of, ooh, I achieved a goal. The goal is never achieving the goal. The goal is the person you need to become who's worthy of that goal. So Michael Phelps literally became the person worthy of a gold medal. Then we awarded him the gold medal. And what I think is that many times in this world of instant and microwave everything, people aren't willing to do the work. I tell people, Skip, often that it's not about dream discovery. It's about dream recovery. So think about that for a moment. I can go into a room full of first graders and ask these first graders, what's your dream? Or what do you want to be? And they will tell you with crystal clear clarity what they want to be and what they're passionate about. You go into the same room 20 years later, 30 years later, ask adults that question. They have no clue. You know, hey, 
Jim, what do you want to be? I don't know. We've lost our way because we've lost our why. Look at me for a moment, um, Skip. I was a guy who became a pastor. Nothing against being a pastor for a lot of my career, but I didn't wake up as a young kid saying, I want to be a pastor. My dad was one. And then it just became the thing to do because I couldn't become an Air Force chaplain. You know, we kind of fall into these things in life. Yet, as I think back to a kid, I liked writing. I actually found a story that I wrote at the age of four. Now, it wasn't my handwriting. I spoke it to my mom, but it was about a robot, Mighty and Mike. And I was writing stories at a very young age, but I lost it along the way. Didn't think it was cool. I only rediscovered that as an adult. So I think people need to rediscover their dream. It's good. Waking up from, yes. from something that's inside. Yes. Energy is so important in the attention economy, yep. allocating your attention. And some people say they're dragging, they're drained, they're depleted. Yep. They just don't have the energy. I'm, I love energy. I have a lot of energy. I'm always bringing energy. How do you guard against losing your energy? Yes. And why is it so prevalent to give that energy up today? How do we get it back? How do we get control of our energy? What we have in our day, think about a browser that has so many tabs open. You know, on your computer, everyone's had this. Or your desktop has is cluttered. Well, we know that computers have RAM. And when you have too many programs open, the performance struggles of that computer. You have this program, that program, your Zoom, your QuickTime, Slack, all these things, and it literally drains the RAM. Well, in life, many of us have too many open windows. We have too many browser tabs. We have too many programs running. So what we're really doing is leaking our energy. We all have limited energy. They've done tons of research and showed that even judges who have to make decisions for people's life and death futures here, they get drained and depleted. And they said that, will you get more death sentences before lunch or after lunch? I know that sounds crazy. It's, but That research I've studied, absolutely. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But it just goes to show that we literally have decision fatigue. Feed your judge. Feed your judge, that's right. <laughs> Bring him the Big Mac. I, I By the way, I... Clerked for judges, interned for judges, worked for judges. Wow. Saw, saw it early. And you saw them throughout you, the day just kind of yeah, start you, dragging. You do want to, well, like anybody you watch, but it is fascinating to watch because you can see mood changes. In wow. People. I didn't know the research at the time. That was, yeah. that was definitely not something. Or I even did. surgeons. Like, do, surgeons. do you want to get your surgery the last one on a Friday afternoon? No. Probably not. I don't. <laughs> let me tell you what. So, decision fatigue is real. The average person makes 35,000 decisions a day, and that is going to suck your energy down. That's why we do use those terms at the end of the day. I'm, I'm burnout. I'm running on fumes. I'm going in circles. Language is very, very powerful, but we're basically saying that our batteries are drained. So what do we need to do? We need to automate a lot of our decisions. This is where Mark Zuckerberg, Barack Obama, lots of people, Steve Jobs, they literally took away the choice of choosing their wardrobe every day because they said, you know what, that's one more decision that I don't want to have to make when I could just automate it. And so I've studied very successful people, 
And I'm sure you are, I, I, well, I know you're one of them because I do study all your behaviors, but you've automated things in your life. I mean, we just went down to a fantastic breakfast cooked by Bo. He's amazing. Yeah, and you said, I can't steal him. Um, you cannot. Yes, but you've automated that decision so that you can literally walk into a room, a chef cooks a meal, and you walk out. Now, some people would say, that's lazy, Skip. I'll tell you what, the most successful people, what they've realized is they've realized their one unique ability or their one superpower. And what they do is they delegate and elevate, you know, in the words of Gino Wickman, EOS, and Dan Sullivan for unique ability. But that's what people do. They and I couldn't cook that well no matter oh how many gosh. hours I tried. He, exactly. He can do all kinds of things. I heard he made good salmon yesterday. Unbelievable. Yes. So the point is that we as people need to say, is the decisions that are coming across my table really worth my time? And if it's not, set up processes and systems in your life, delegate and elevate so that you can actually have a life where you don't get hacked. Because let me tell you what, Skip, every one of these little micro decisions saps your energy. And they've done all the research and said that decision fatigue is real, it affects your judgment, and it's an open window. So in the book, I talk about how to close windows. The old advice given by Mr. Chicken Soup himself, Jack Canfield, I think Jack it was. Canfield. Yeah. yeah, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Yes, so Jack Canfield used to say, hey, there's four choices for every decision. Do it, delegate it, dump it, or um, delay. And in the book, I say, no way. No way do you want to use that delay. Delay is indecision. Right, it so, leaves the tab open. Yes. And that's what most people are doing in their lives. They're having open windows on their browser and it's sucking their energy and indecision is a decision. And it just sits there grinding that RAM. So what I try to do, Skip, is I try to close all my windows. I Me make too. I, I love yeah, that. Love yeah. that concept. Yes. And so when you and I have someone who says, let's do lunch, we'll either say, let's do it book the time right there. Or don't. Yeah, or we'll say, you know what? I'm just at a time right now where I can't do it. We don't say, yeah, we should. Right, no. Nope. Because nope, yeah, we, we should is that subconscious is now grinding and saying, well, if I don't follow up, I'm not a person of integrity. Am I just trying to blow them off? It, it just sits there and takes that precious energy. So good. Well, I want to ask about critics. Yes. Because they're everywhere. There's also the internal critic. Yes. How do you deal with critics external or internal? Wow. So critics external, I have them all the time. And what I do is I, I literally say uh, a statement that I'm not going to sit with people's compliments longer than 10 seconds, and I'm not going to sit with people's criticism for longer than 10 seconds. If I sit with people's compliments for a long time, my ego, boom, it can just get sabotaged. If I sit with people's criticism, I can think I'm the scum of the earth. So I always look for those statements that people make and look for the truth in them, but not let them hack me. In terms of the internal critic, that's powerful. There's this optimal state of human performance called flow, and you might be a fan of Stephen Kotler and Mihai Csikszentmihalyi and these different types of researchers, but flow is legit. This is where people honestly say, Skip, I can't believe three hours just went Don't by. Don't feel like I was working at all. Yes. 
this is where we look and see extreme athletes and they're doing things that a decade ago would have been impossible for the human body. Why? Because they're upgrading the neuroscience. It literally makes you 500% more productive, but here's what else it does. It shuts down your inner critic. Your prefrontal cortex goes dim, and rather than fight or flight, which most people think, oh, that's adrenaline, I'm an adrenaline junkie. No, it's not fight or flight. Someone who is in flow is like Captain Sully with the plane, where he didn't just say, oh my gosh, you know, I gotta crash this thing. It actually opens up pattern recognition. And who would have thought landing in the Hudson could have happened? And he had tower control yelling at him, just like a lot of us. Tower control in life. Vote for this. Don't do that. Go here. Don't go there. Captain Sully shut it down, and he got into flow. And as a result, the inner critic wasn't even there. And he let the glider pilot DNA inside of him take over, which he was skilled in. And boom, this new opportunity opened up. I love that story in so many ways. It is an example of flow and preparation and yes. everything just happening so beautifully and masterfully. And those people were so lucky to have him oh, as the man. captain of that time. Absolutely. I don't think a day goes by they won't be thinking about that. Well, I do have one last question sure. for you because we're living in this age of COVID-19. We're living yes. in pandemic world. We're masked. Yes. To get in here, you were wearing masks and we're socially distanced in the studio and we have hand sanitizer and we have temperature checks yep. and all of these things. How has the pandemic affected us in terms of hackability as people? Mm. Does it make us more or less hackable because of this pandemic? Interesting. I'll tell you what. I believe that most people woke up in January 2020 with no clue that they were going to be hacked. I mean, literally, people woke up thinking, this is going to be 2020, the new vision year, and I heard pastors preaching what's your 2020 vision and corporations were saying that as well. The reality is, is that we got hacked and the pandemic made that possible. Now, some people got hacked and they literally just sat sidelined and they quit their job. They got fired. They went through mental health issues, quite frankly. And the point is that it was an adjustment for all of us. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of these fake um, reading rainbow positivity. Everything in the world is great, great, great. But the truth is, is that I got hacked for a few minutes. And then I said, what can I do? What does this make possible? And Skip, I don't know if you remember this, but we went with a Igniting Souls online conference in March when the whole pandemic and the world was falling apart, we said, you know what? Let's come together and gather together. And that's exactly what we did. And we chose to be unhackable. So the point is not that you deny reality, but that you say, this will not dominate me. The pandemic is not my new reality. I'm going to accept it, but then I'm going to create a new future. That's the key, creating the new future. Because there is grief. Your future was taken from you. Therefore, you can either grieve, complain, or you can create a new future. Well, if you don't want to grieve or complain, but want to create a new future, I highly suggest, and I think you know why, that you read this book, Unhackable, Close the Gap Between Dreaming and Doing. I love what's right here on the cover, the 30-day elixir for creating flawless ideas, leveraging superhuman focus, and achieving optimal performance through flow. 
I don't know, is that on the cover still? Oh, yeah. Because I have an early, early version oh, yeah. before I, it was printed. I put that on there on purpose, just like you broke rules with your amazing book, The Book of Mistakes. You broke all kinds of good rules. I broke some rules and I put a title, a subtitle, and then another subtitle or a tagline because I really do believe that I wanted to explain exactly what the book is. And it is, it's 30 days of missions for you to become unhackable in work and life. And people can find out a ton about it at unhackablebook.com. In fact, every purchase helps rescue a sex slave, dig a well, feed a family. I mean, that's one way that I thought I could become unhackable, even with this book, is to give back. People, ideas, and things are out to steal your ideas, and they're dressed up as distractions. On the book, it says, dream thieves roam free as dressed up distractions are mm. inside the cover. And this is a book to help you get rid of those distractions and live your dream. So I highly recommend Unhackable. Thank you, Carrie, for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again. I will always see you again because you live locally and I will find you even if you, uh, even if you try to avoid me. I love our chats together. Man, it is a blast to always hang with you. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher.